So like with a pea, what I would encourage them to do is to squash it in their hand, smell it, to lick it, to put it in their mouth and spit it out. A lot of the time they're afraid of it because they don't know what it is. But if they're allowed to play with it and allowed to interact with it and engage with it in a fun way, well, then they're not as afraid of it anymore. Deirdre Doyle has dedicated her career to encouraging children to eat healthy food and to grow and cook themselves. She's the founder of Cool Food School, the author of kids' cookbooks, and she teaches healthy eating and simple cooking to kids all around the country. And Deirdre is our special guest on this episode of Food Done Right. Hi, I'm Mick Kelly, the founder of GIY, and this is season two of our podcast series, Food Done Right, which was recorded at the Harvest Festival in Waterford City. In this episode, Tor McIntosh meets Deirdre Doyle, health coach, food educator and mum of three. Deirdre has educated thousands of children about food and cooking through her award-winning business, The Cool Food School, since 2018. In this conversation with Tor, she talks about why she first started working with kids and the problems she set out to solve. She gives loads of tips and tricks for getting children to interact, engage and enjoy new and healthy food into their diets. She also talks about the socioeconomic issues which affect many families, particularly at the moment across the country, when it comes to buying fresh, healthy, delicious food and cooking meals on a daily basis. I really hope you've been enjoying the series so far. If you have, please click the follow button on Apple and Spotify or share it with a friend to help us spread the word about this podcast. So getting kids growing and cooking their own food is one of my absolute life's passions. So I'm really interested to hear this conversation between Deirdre and Tor. Now Deirdre has always been involved in the food industry, but she starts by telling Tor what led her to focus specifically on children. Well, I am first and foremost a mother. So I have three children and I have a lifelong interest in food. I'm, I went to Galway and did uh, hotel and catering management many, many, many moons ago. And that really sparked an interest in food for me. So when I had my own children, I was like, well, I'm going to just give them all the food that I eat, you know. But I soon realised that that is not the way that it works. And then I started to question that. Why, why, why are we only giving kids sweetened yogurts and chicken nuggets and sausages? Why, why is, why is there even kids food? So, and then I started to kind of look around me and see that children weren't eating their vegetables. They had a very restricted diet, very carb heavy diet. I just thought this is not the food environment I want my children to grow up in. So I wanted to do something about it, basically. So I went back and I, at the time I was working for a charity shop, actually, I was managing a charity shop for working for St. Vincent de Paul. And I went back and retrained as a health coach with the IINH, the Irish Institute of Nutrition and Health. And that just kind of blew my mind about the impact that food has on our health. Not, I suppose I've always grown up like through the 70s and 80s and, you know, food is impacts your weight, but nothing else. But actually, what we eat has such a massive impact on our health. Um, that I really that that is what really inspired me then to start the business to get kids eating a better diet, basically. And how long ago did you set up the Cool Food School? I set it up in 2018. I launched it in Greystones, where I'm from, in a beautiful theatre there called The Whale. 
and they allowed me to show a, a movie called Ratatouille. Brilliant movie. Brilliant movie. <laughs> but as part of the movie, to make it interactive, we had the food in the movie that they eat on screen. And then I talked them through that. So just to make it more interactive and to bring it to life for the kids. So there are a bazillion ways that you can make food more interesting and exciting for kids. So that was just the way I used food in that instance to launch the business. And like aiming everything at kids, was that always the the, the interest or did that come from your own experience of being a mother and suddenly realising the experiences your kids were having and that was the driving force that was like, we need more. We need more about food education and there needs to be more understanding um, with food with our kids. Absolutely. So, yeah, before I was a mother, I, I wasn't interested in kids <laughs> yeah. at all, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but yes, once I had my own kids and it was really, I suppose, when they went to school, started going to school and I started to see the kids around them and what they were eating. And I started to, you know, kind of be more aware of what was going on and then Every time you go to a restaurant, you're offered a menu with the same six things on it. I was like, what is this? Why is this? There has to be something better. So that, I suppose, is when it really started. My brain started ticking going, I don't like this. This is not good. There has to be a better option. Yeah. And it's not just schools that you're going into. You've got other avenues in order to get like in front of kids and also most importantly, their parents as well. Yeah. So I have a, so I do lots and lots of events. I've been all over the country this year. And I also have an online course that I created that is based on the workshops that I teach. So I originally, uh, Tor, I started out going into preschools because there is no food education in preschools, really. And I thought, well, there is a captive market. And also they're at an age where they're very impressionable. And that kind of from 18 months. So chill. I talk to parents all the time and they'll say, oh, my goodness, they were a brilliant eater up until 18 months, two years. And then they just it all went downhill. So that so so they're in preschool at that age. So um. I've done lots and lots of research around this and and that is a very normal stage of development. But parents don't really realise that. And they they shut down a bit. The parents shut down because they're like, oh, they don't eat this and they don't eat that. And so they don't give them those foods anymore. And they give them the foods that they know their child will eat as opposed to giving them a broader diet. And I totally understand that. Like, it's very frustrating if you're you're giving your child broccoli. I'm still on this broccoli buzz. (laughs) If you give your child broccoli two or three times and they're not eating it and you're like, well, I don't want to waste food. I don't want to waste time making it. So you stop giving it to them. But they're never going to eat it if you don't give it to them. I suppose it's going from that narrowing because I'm just actually even just you talking um, about, I'm thinking of me as a child. I was that child who had a very narrow, because I was like, don't like that, don't like that, don't want that. So my mum just narrowed it just because for ease, like absolute ease. It's like, you know, Tor's going to eat that, so... That's you know, what I'll That's serve. what I'm going to give it yeah, because yeah, yeah. she's also had a, she had another kid and she was full time yeah, worker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love the idea that you are inspiring them to just br- keep it broad um, in order to hopefully hit the jackpots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not going to happen like immediately. And no. I think that's what I really heard in your talk earlier. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Is, there has to be a persistence and a bit of patience. In yes, to absolutely. Make yeah. And then when I talk to parents about offering children a new food. It could be something and people talk to me about food waste. I'm like, okay, so you want your child to eat peas. Give them two peas on their plate. Do not give them three tablespoons of peas because if they're not going to eat them, they're not going to eat 
If they're not going to eat two, they're not going to eat three tablespoons. So start off with tiny, tiny, tiny little portions and get them engaged with it. So like with a pea, what I would encourage them to do is to squash it in their hand, to smell it, to lick it, to put it in their mouth and spit it out. If after that, and then keep going and I'll like let them engage with it and let them. I do um, pea blowing races across the table and <laughs> things like that to get them. Because a lot of the time, we, neophobia, which is the fear of new foods, they're afraid of it because they don't know what it is. But if they're allowed to play with it and allowed to interact with it and engage, and engage with it in a fun way, well, then they're not as afraid of it anymore. So you're getting over maybe one or two hurdles by uh, already allowing them to play and interact and spit out the food. And I know parents are kind of going, no, don't let them spit out the food. That's disgusting. But it's part of the play process. Yeah. It's part of the um, it's part of that engagement with food. It's part of the exposure to that food. And, you know, do it in an environment where you're maybe not sitting at the table with your in-laws. You yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, no like, Sunday lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No um, Sunday lunch. Yeah. But I, I have seen... Um, what some people recommend is that, you know, your child would have their plate. Also, family style is very important. Mm, okay. Family style is where you put the food in the middle of the table rather than right. plating up the, the child's food. So that allows them to choose what they want. Okay. Now, I know some people are going to go, oh, my God, they're all they're going to eat is the spuds or the yeah. pasta and they're not going to have the sauce. That's fine. Yeah. So there's another thing called I'm going all over the place here. There's another thing uh, strategy. And if if anybody's listening, mm. if this is all you take out of this yep. um, talk, then this is the most important thing. There is a strategy in feeding kids called the division of responsibility in feeding. Okay. So I'll break it down. It is there's the what, where, and when of feeding. Okay. And the how and how much basically. So the what, where, and when is the parents' responsibility. So the what, what do we feed our children? Where do we give it to them? Do we give it to them at the table? Do we give it to them in the car? Do we give it to them in the playground? Do we chase them around the room to give it to them? When, when do we give it to them? Do we give it, um, we give them breakfast? Do we give them a snack? Then do we give them another snack? We are in charge of all that. Yeah. The child is in charge of whether or not they actually eat the food and how much of that food they eat. It's not our responsibility by bribing or cajoling yes. or cheerleading our child mm -hmm. to eat that food. That's not our responsibility. Yeah. Our responsibility ends when we present the food to the child and then we take a step back and then the child decides whether or not they want to eat that. Yeah. Now, I know that's hard for people, for parents to accept because they're like, oh, what if they don't eat anything? Mm. OK, that's fine. Mm. What you do then is you just remove the food from the table and say, Okay, you're not hungry now. Maybe you might be hungry. We'll have snack in, in an hour's time. And then we'll have, like, say if that's lunch and then dinner will be at five yeah. or whatever, do you know? So our children are never that far away from food that they're going to starve, do you know? Um, we're, we live in a very wealthy society. We're very lucky. So if your child doesn't eat something at one meal, it doesn't mean that they're going to starve. So, you know, just tell them that there will be food in an hour's time or two hours time or whatever, after their favourite TV show or whatever it is after an activity. Um, and then just take that food away because they've made the decision not to eat that food. 
So your your responsibility then is to take it away and yeah, and to, you hear to, so often, and certainly even in my childhood, is that just that idea of like the lone child at the table with the plate of food that they still don't want to eat, and everybody else is left, and they're kind of like you're not allowed to leave the table until you eat yeah, it, and yeah. they become stubborn and like yeah. I'm just going to sit here, and it then becomes a battle. Yes, of yes, both yes. wills of the parents and yes. the the child, and, um, and, that's, and that's what you don't want. Yeah, you not, don't want a battle at the t- at the. Di- dinner table because that's not good for anybody it's not good for us it's not good for our digestion yeah. um, it's not good for our stress levels you know eating when you're stressed like that is very bad for your um, digestive system and it, it serves nobody so you're much better clearing off their plate let them sit at the table for the allotted time that you've, you've said and then let them down and f- give them something else at the time that you've specified that it's snack time or, or the next meal time yeah. Coming back to this whole idea of where food um, and, you know, getting kids involved and it comes from more than it just being food. It impacts everything. I think that's kind of, you know, earlier on you were saying this and I think that's so important. And I've heard it from speakers is it's not just the you know nutrition you're going to get from it, but having good food is health and it's health physically, but mentally having that good relationship with it. Um and to get that from a young age and have that positive interaction with food, um, I think we can kind of glibly forget how much that can impact us as adults. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of what I kind of hear from uh, from from you there and the importance of really getting kids positively interacting with food. Um, and there's going to be foods that some people don't like and they may never like yeah. or they might not like it until they're in their 30s because their taste buds are going to mature and, and change. Um, but even if you can get some positive interaction uh, with it. Yeah. Um, well, actually, that taste bud thing is very interesting. So... Um, if children are born with about 10,000 taste buds, yeah. we as adults only have about 3,000. Really? So we lose them as we age. So when our chi- children say to us that broccoli, they don't like the broccoli. So they actually have a lot more taste buds than we have. Yeah. And that is whereas our taste buds are blunted. So we don't taste it in the same way that they taste it. Yeah. So it's really good for parents to know that. Definitely. And that's why, like I would say to, you know, try it with the dipping sauce or try making it as delicious as you could possibly can so much ability to take in all those tastes yeah. and, and, yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah absolutely and um you know serving raw broccoli to anybody is is not not i, I don't like raw broccoli but yeah. i love it roasted or i love it like in a curry or something like that mm. um so the food that we se- uh, serve our kids can be as delicious as we can possibly make it yeah. it doesn't have to be this bland food that seems to be what people think that they have to serve their kids yeah I was going to say with, um, you know, everything to do with, um, you know, the organisation getting in there um, with the um, with the kids and in the schools and in the libraries and the events that you do. What would you say is your biggest challenge um, that is facing you? Um, if you were, would you say it is, you know, maybe a social economic thing and people bring like money and costs or they say they're time poor and we just don't have time to spend or do you see it we've mentioned it a little bit in the talk is there's more up above government issues with things what, there's a lot going lot, on there yeah. to where there's a lot going on so um first and foremost is a socioeconomic issue yeah. um there are people out there who literally cannot afford to buy stuff except that they know that their kids are going to eat mm. they can't afford to be buying broccoli that their child may or may not possibly eat um so they are literally 
they know exactly what they're, they're buying when they go to the supermarket. They know that Johnny will eat X and Mary will eat Y and that's what they buy and they don't uh, deviate from that because mm. they can't afford can't to. Afford it. Yeah, definitely. They may not have the cooking skills so they may not be good. Like if you have cooking skills you can go and get your 49 cents vegetables and <clears throat> create a really cheap meal out of that. But if you don't have the wherewithal to do that, well, then it's no good offering you 49 cents vegetables because they're just going to sit in the bottom of your fridge and rot. So there's a massive education piece around that for parents. That is not something that I tackle, but, yeah. you know, there are other people out there doing that. Um, And then, the, so then their kids are feeding off that. Mm. So that's what the food is in their house. Mm. So, and do you do you witness that when you're going into schools and classrooms? Are you hearing it from the kids themselves, um, or are you sensing it that that's the reaction? Like, I oh, sense it a bit. I'm very that. careful about not asking kids about yeah. what their situation is at home because yeah. you, I just don't ask that. But you, I can sense it sometimes from when I ask questions because mm. I'd always be asking the kids lots and lots of questions and. For example, as I was saying, I think in the talk and I asked mm. these kids, where does cheese come from? And they said yeah. it comes from the garage. So I know in that house, that's where cheese comes yeah. from. There's no connection. Now, in many of our houses, there's no connection between cheese and a yeah, cow because and cow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you live in an urban area, there's no, yeah. you know, it's not like you've cows walking by your door. Yeah. But there might be a connection because somebody at home is talking about it or yeah. discussing it. But for that child, cheese came from the garage. So... You know, I, I get a sense of it. And I know when I go into schools that have a lower socio socioeconomic profile that I know that's what what's what I'm going to get. And um, unfortunately, there's not enough or there isn't a lot of funding out there for schools. So yeah. to me, that's another massive issue is I think there should be, as we were talking about earlier on, yeah. there should be across the board food education. Definitely. Cooking. Cooking is the best form of food education. Yeah. The, uh, but it's cooking with whole food. So... You know, bringing in chopped up vegetables and all that. The, the child needs to see the whole food. They need to chop it themselves. They need to experience chopping it. They need to look, feel, smell, listen to it, lick it, touch it, bash it, bang it to get an appreciation of it and to, to understand it. And funding is a massive, massive, massive issue. See. So there's, there's challenges coming in from all, from mm. all angles, yeah, really. Yeah. And there isn't a connection made it, it would appear at government level between health and food. Do you know, there there is not that, that connection made. And look, it's across the board. It's not just in food. You know, um, it's across the board with the health service. But, you know, if kids were thought to cook, you know, the levels of obesity would drop and yeah. all the issues that come with obesity. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose um, I, I, you can't help but talk about and work with kids and think about your own um, upbringing experiences. And we all have different experiences. Um, would you say like looking at your like childhood and upbringing and then relating it to modern day that there, there is a, there's a vast difference in terms of its dropping, like, you know, from, from long, you know, in when we were kids, it was, you know, meat to veg. It's there. Yeah, yeah. Is there more choices here? You know, seeing that, you know, suddenly kids are eating more junk food and they've got more of a disconnect. Or can you not be as so black and white as that in, in when you're kind of speaking to kids? 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. And um, as part when I was training to be a health coach, one of the things I had to do was I had to interview. Um, I interviewed my dad about really? how food was when he was growing up. Because we often harken back to, oh, the good old mm. days and everybody grew their own fruits and vegetables. That's what I was thinking, because we do think, oh, back in the yeah, day, it was back so in much the day, easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my dad would have said that when he was growing up, he had massive boils on the back of his neck. Yeah. And they were from some kind of deficiency. So he yeah. had some kind of deficiency in his diet yeah. that wasn't being accommodated by what he was eating. So he would have ate what they grew. So yeah. there would have been turnip and cabbage and potatoes and rhubarb and... Mm. Um, strawberries and raspberries things like that probably not a lot of vitamin c so probably missing out on the vitamin c element wouldn't have been oranges yeah. like this that old story of well my parents tell it um you know about getting an orange and they're stocking at christmas yeah, absolutely that was the treat yeah. there wasn't the availability of food that we have access to nowadays and in some ways it was great and in other ways you know it wasn't everything every, everybody's so nostalgic about you know back in the day but um and even when I was growing up in the 80s, like 70s and 80s, some of the food we had was just diabolical. Like <laughs> yeah, I can, smash. Do you know all that? Oh my goodness, yeah, oh, smash. So heavily processed food. <laughs> yeah. Smash when smash makes and smash. And 80s was a classic processed. I mean, oh goodness, that was my upbringing as well. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. Because they just smash. really discovered yeah. processed foods yeah. and they really became mainstream. So, do you know, and um, what was the thing that for dessert that you... Angel de, uh, Angel, or or Angel de Lee, as uh, we used to try and <laughs> say, like, I loved it, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had the same upbringing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that sense. Um, but yeah, we've got more options. We've got more knowledge now, and we're getting better educated. But there is clearly there is still a disconnect. There's still problems that need to be addressed and funding that that yeah. needs to come yeah. in there. Which you know that that's the big push that needs to go in there. But yeah, if I was to advise anything. Yeah. Um, to parents listening, it is to reduce your processed foods and eat more whole foods. That that is the simple. It's the make processed a huge foods. Difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will is what will make a huge difference. Um, it's the processed foods that are. We don't know what's going into them. We don't know the long term. We don't know the long term yeah, impact of them. Absolutely. Um, and simple whole processed foods are where it's at. I know they need to be. And I know you need to do something with them and they need to be processed at home in whatever way. So that requires a little bit of skill, but not really. I mean, it's something as simple as just making a salad, like putting some things together, buying maybe, you know, a good quality salad dressing or making your own salad dressing. But I know that's not with that's not for everybody either. Um, but yet that would be the one thing. Minimize your processed foods. And the other thing that that leads into very nicely is the whole environment and packaging and cutting down on packaging. And that's certainly something I've talked to my kids about before is, you know, when they they want the the dairy lunch bowls or whatever it is. I'm like, well, actually, there's way too much packaging on that. And you're noticing kids being a bit more aware of that now um, it's because plastic, we're, you know, coming into like the last probably five years when it's been it's been a real hot um, topic. Yeah. This past and I yeah. think it is feeding into kids and their understanding of it. Absolutely. And you must get first hand like yeah. hearing yeah, 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 yeah. and like yeah. understand. And I think in some ways the uh, environmental lobby group or the people who are very um, keen about that, they've done a really good job at educating kids about that. Yeah. And I think from a food point of view, it's really good to kind of 
eke out of that because it, it all feeds into the same thing. It's all about the planet and it's all about, you know, reducing plastic waste, which means reducing processed foods, basically. Yeah. Yep. So it's a nice kind of segue into eating more whole foods, growing for yourself, all that kind of stuff um, is staying away from the really heavily packaged, heavily processed foods. We'll get there, hopefully, at some point. <laughs> we, hope. we hope. We hope, we hope, we hope. But I love there's, you know, it's it's a very long, yeah. slow, uphill yeah. battle. So it's a little bit like trying to get someone to a kitty, a bit of broccoli. It's a long, slow yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've yeah. just got to keep at it. And the problem is, is that the big food companies who have yeah. massive deep pockets. Absolutely. Yeah, they, are ahead of us all the time. Yeah. So I often think that if you look at the marketing of you know, all the fast foods, all the junk food advertising. And if that spend were to be spent on fruits and vegetables, on like instead of having junk food advertising in between TV breaks, you'd have simple recipes using whole foods Mm. sponsored by whatever, the fruit and vegetable companies. But I know, look, that's in a utopian world. That's in my world. Absolutely. I know it's not for everybody. Do as well. <laughs> That's where it's going to be. I do have to say, because it has not been mentioned yet, and I'm sitting across from you, and you are wearing quite a wonderful dress here, which I'm going to describe. It has, what is it? It's got carrots on it. It's got tomatoes. It's got artichokes. It's got beetroots, yeah. chilies. It is quite something. Um, so I absolutely love that you've worn that today. Yes. And thank you for, for everything. Just so, so many tips that you've got in your talk um, and just lovely to learn a little bit more about where your inspiration came from and what your hopes and dreams are to yes, hopefully well. <laughs> get those, those um, you know, big, big companies to um, actually put their money where it needs to go yeah um so thank you so much Deirdre for joining us yeah thank you so much Tora thank you for having me thank you a huge thanks to Deirdre and to Tor for taking part in this episode join us on the next episode of Food Done Right in the meantime check out all things GIY on our website GIY.ie 